0: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. How many Super Bowls have we won? One. No,
1: two. One. All
0: right. Kelly, how many Super Bowls have we won since 2000? One. (laughs) One.
1: I had to think. I'm like, when was all the renovations? You should not have to think about this, Kelly.
0: Kelly, that's not a think about it question. You're listening to the best Packer radio show on the internet. Cheesehead Radio a lifetime Jeez, man. with Green Bay Packer. You're looking good today. So let's go out there. What's that answer. Aaron Rodgers is the best football player I've ever seen, ever. Aaron Rodgers, team on second and two. He's got a leaping to Montana. He's the best. defense is going to get a lot of team struggles. We got a defense. We got a defense. Cheesehead
2: Radio. Hello again, Cheesehead Nation. We are back with another episode of Cheesehead Radio, now in our 11th season. Your trio of hosts tonight are the perplexed Kelly Hodgson, known as That Packer Girl on Twitter, also joining us is the Confuzzled CD Angeli, known as TundraVision on Twitter, and little old me, Jersey Al of Packers Talk and Cheesehead TV. You can find me at Jersey GBP on Twitter. Coming up later on the show will be our Hot Pockets and our Game Predictions, as well as a special guest spot from John Rahor. But first, it's time for the Packers Playbook
0: the playbook Okay um <clears throat> Packer Nation welcome back um Green Bay Packers beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 24 to 20 Yay Don't sound so excited. Yeah I mean it was it was a great win We all Thank came me. out of it really excited yeah. Thank God there are Punch no style points in, in football um, <clears throat> Yeah feeling we, good the, the enthusiasm gap appears to be widening between another win, uh, keeping us in the running for literally the first seed in the playoffs, and oh, we yet are. we come out of these games just feeling like, oh my gosh, the world is, this is not good. The world is ending. What's going on?
1: So is this like getting, because I've never had this grade, a D minus, you know, like you kind of passed, but you really didn't? Mm. I don't know. I
2: never got a D minus either.
0: take that kelly
1: ha ha cd (laughs)
0: i've got more than my share he's not saying
1: (laughs) (laughs) no No, but seriously it's like we we almost failed but we kind of won so we're excited maybe
0: we lost that game less how does that sound we 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 played played less less worse Yes, less, worse.
1: Now, I, 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 mentioned, I, I use this phrase quite a lot during the McCarthy era. There's a huge difference between trying to win and trying not to lose, and I really felt like the Packers were playing to not lose.
0: So the hard part is this is a team that we all got together in our predictions last week, and we said straight up, this should be a walk in the park. Jersey Al oh, says, says, I analyze this from every single angle, and I can't find <laughs> any way that they're going to lose. And they almost did. And I was right. They didn't lose. <laughs> You're correct. There
1: was no way. There wasn't You're a way. That was so
0: wise.
1: He's, he's the sage old man who knows it all.
0: But, but don't you almost feel like if we played a team that was the caliber of maybe a four and four team and we played that same game, we probably would have lost it at of home. Of course. At home. So. Well,
2: this whole home thing doesn't mean much anymore now, does yeah. it?
0: No, not really.
2: And actually, if it does, it's working in the opposite uh, direction than it normally does. That's been quite the topic of conversation this week.
0: Well, and and let's skip ahead to that right now. Lambeau Field, is it a home field advantage for this particular team? Because right now, it doesn't feel like it is.
1: Maybe, but not right now.
2: I mentioned this a couple of shows back uh, in that, you know, in January, it certainly I would anticipate it to be. Noise or no noise, just, you know, because you've got teams coming into the cold weather that the Packers will be more used to. Uh, But now, does it really give you any kind
1: of advantage? We certainly haven't seen it. Well, we we had the cold weather, wind, you know, everything but sleet. Um, And that's supposed to be to our advantage. And it definitely wasn't this weekend.
2: Yeah, I think the wind is a differentiating factor there, you know. I think it's the the wind that really causes us the most problems on, on offense and cold weather. Uh, and that's what we've had both times in Lambeau. The last two games in Lambeau was these high winds. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? I mean, that, You don't normally get that in Green Bay, those high winds.
1: Uh, You get a storm or two. You know, you you think of that song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald that happened up at Lake Superior. But you get these winter November type (laughs) gale force wind storms every once in a while. So they're not unheard of. But seriously,
0: Seriously? it's a little windy and we we barely can beat a one in 16. What is going to happen when we bring playoff teams in here and it's a 30 mile per hour wind? Is it like, oh, well, may as well give up on this game. Can
1: I point out that you can still play defense in the wind? And we always kind of give the wind as an excuse for the offense, but you can't give the defense a pass that way. Well, I mean,
2: overall, you know, the the defense, missing Jair Alexander and um, Kevin King, I mean, they did okay, right? One touchdown was was the punt return, um, so you can't blame them on that. They made they made a big stop at the end when they needed to. They did okay. What you have to take into account is they weren't playing against Drew Brees or Russell Wilson or anybody of that caliber. So you kinda that kinda puts a damper on that.
1: Yeah, but even though the defense was, was kind of stinky in places, there were some flashes of, of of goodness. I wouldn't say greatness, but No, yeah.
2: I mean there were some positive things that, that you saw. Certainly for the first time in a while, we had one series where we blew up every play and happened to be the last series of the game when they needed it most. So that certainly worked out nicely. But to, to, but to be in that position, <laughs> to need that, right, against the Jacksonville Jaguars doesn't really give you much confidence.
1: No. Well, we always have this knack of playing down to happily mediocre teams. And then yes. good teams this year, like we walloped. I think the noise factor really is a thing. You know, you've heard the players talk in years past, especially during a good run is they really do feed off the, 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 the the stands energy. And yeah, they have that pumped in noise, but I've noticed with the Packers, it isn't as reactive as some of the other teams. Like when they score, the noise sounds like they're celebrating ours. is just kind of this baseline roar.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like static the whole, the whole way through. And, and really, uh, you, you, I don't know who's responsible for that. I don't know if it's left up to the teams to do that, or if the NFL decides what what get, what gets done. Uh, I just don't know.
1: But other games I watched this weekend seem like like the uh, can noise was more reactive. Yeah. Like you know, I like are the Vikings even blowing the horn? I know they didn't when we played because there, there was a um some symbolism behind not playing, they like keeping the horn quiet. But have they been using the horn on home games? Otherwise, like could we play bang the drum to try to get this team fired up? Yeah,
2: that, that's the question I have. Would we be allowed to do that? Is that why it's not being done because we don't we're not able to, or or somebody's just asleep on the job there?
0: So basically, what you're saying is if we just don't have wind. And someone plays bang the drum, we're gonna be fine. And and if, shut up. And if the sun and if the, I the mean, sun stays out, or, people. Come we're on. supposed to be a playoff team here. Come on. I still consider this to be the curse of uh, Mike Sherman and the Bob curse Harlan. Of Sherman. Yeah. Why? Well, tell us there tell was us the, the miss of Lambeau Field, and the Packers had never lost a playoff game at Lambeau Field until the day. Bob Harlan, and Mike Sherman, who took a pretty uh, strong leadership role, with the renovation of Lambeau Field. Remember all the turf and everything that got sold, and they redid everything? And right away that season, when they came back, they hosted the Atlanta Falcons for a wild card game. Remember what happened?
2: Yeah. Yeah, They got destroyed.
0: They got destroyed. First loss ever at Lambeau Field after they redid the stadium.
2: So you're saying... (laughs) We haven't. never really a, done the stadium.
0: Makes a lot more sense than not playing bang the drum. Let me have tell you. not
1: title town. Uh, <laughs> we shouldn't have any of that stuff. Just keep the G-Force flag away.
2: We
0: should please. just have the bowl, the original bowl.
1: And None the scary of the bathrooms. Seating.
0: Since then, how many no Super heating. Bowls have we won? How many Super Bowls have we won? One.
1: No, one.
0: All right, Kelly, how <laughs> many Super Bowls have we won since 2000? One. One. <laughs>
1: I had to think, I'm like, when was all the renovations? You should not I'm have like, to think about to this,
0: Kelly. Kelly, that's not a think about a question. What's <laughs> one? One. One. How many games did we win at Lambeau Field in the playoffs that year? We didn't play at Lambeau Field. You're right! That's how we won a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that last series that that defense put up, and that was a defense that came out of nowhere. I mean, we hadn't, we haven't seen a defense play that dominant for three plays at any point yeah. during the rest of the season. Rashawn Gary has been taking quite a bit of heat this year, as has uh, Preston Smith. I've always tried to stick up for Rashawn Gary. I think he's doing, I guess, as good of a job as you can on this defense. But, boy, he was in there, what, two out of the three plays?
1: Two sacks out of three, yeah.
0: Easy. Mm -hmm.
2: And he had a couple other pressures during the game and uh, a nice pursuit tackle. Um, So he was more active than we've seen him, more productive than we've seen him. And, you know, from what we've seen out of Preston Smith, um, I think Gary needs to see more more snaps. I'd like to see it. Get him on the field. What do you got to lose? He's going to be aggressive, right? He's, he's not going to be passive. Um, and look, watching Preston Smith play, sometimes you feel like he looks a little passive. Um, Gary is the exact opposite of that. If anything, he might go too hard and overrun things. But at least... He's putting in the effort and the energy, so I'd like to see him get more more chances.
1: And his credit, um, the sophomore year is always the make or break year a lot for a lot of um, a lot of players, and it's I think it would be hard to be in your sophomore year as a as a as an NFL player during the COVID season because you had a very truncated training camp, mm-hmm. then there was no preseason, and that's where you think a lot of these players really hone their skills and he was thrown into the the second se- year without a whole lot of preparation and, and so he know, is the- kind of rising second half of the season hopefully this is something we can look forward to the rest of the season seeing that that physicality because he kind of vanished into the woodwork often the first half but now i saw a lot of promise in that last drive from him.
2: yeah the, the whole situation with with the conditions in 2020 uh, that you were talking about kind of makes sense that it, it seems like he's starting to come on now you know where where he's had a a couple of months of the proper instruction and training and reps and in practice and uh and now you're starting to see some of that progress that that normally you would have hoped to have seen at the beginning of the of a player's second season so it, it kind of makes sense and i say give him a shot
1: yeah i, I think I, i'm actually happy where he is you know you- is the term like with premature kids that they're corrected for their gestational age you know they're four months old but they're actually developmentally two months old he's kind of like like that i think is he is where i would expect him to be at the beginning of the season that i think was an unusual comparison okay i was just thinking about it because <laughs> I have to I, think about I th- that thinking one about it. If, if something <laughs> happens prematurely you sometimes correct it for what where they would be at if you if you took took out that factor of being super early, well for him he missed mini camps he missed essentially a preseason, so he's kind of where I would be seeing a what second player. What
2: the premature part that? The he got
1: thrown, the, in he thrown into it right too now. Soon, though, too soon, soon he before he, 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 was he was ready. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just guess, trying to understand the metaphor. Yeah, it was, metaphor a, bad, it was a bad analogy and everyone's like, Anology. what? She's lost her mind again. Well, no, yeah. but but he's why where I would expect a second year player to be at the beginning of the season because if you factor right. out training camp, you factor out there was essentially no mini camps either. And they're not always face to face. There's been less contact, you know, contact roles. He's starting to emerge now. And I think he's on target is what I'm trying to say.
0: Okay. I, I A, I think I'm gonna have to change the title of this episode to something with the word premature in it. But um secondly <laughs> secondly, keep I keep it I'm, clean, C D yeah, I I'll do my best. Um <laughs> but I'm getting weary of Some of the folks in the Packer Twitterverse and, you know, I guess through the media and the the prognosticators, they've really piled on Rashawn Gary from the moment he was picked last year. And we're seeing the same thing this year with Jordan Love. And I'm not sure in today's NFL, today's fandom, how interconnected we are with social media. I feel like this probably has some sort of impact, I mean, on, on players and their psyche. I mean... I can't imagine Jordan Love is is going through the season thinking, God, I'm glad I got picked by the Packers because these fans love me. I mean, it's really not been a particularly welcoming uh, environment for either of them, and the criticism comes quickly. So, yeah, I'm really happy to see Gary. I, I, I'm i rooting for him. I mean, put a chip on your shoulder and prove everyone wrong if you want, but he's giving us the flexibility that if we choose to move on from Preston Smith later this uh offseason he has that good second half of the season bully for him and you know don't listen to the people that are taking you down
1: well he's definitely moving up the the depth chart and i think part of this has to do with the instant gratification of social media you know we want things now we want it instantly um and i think a lot of people forget that first year once you drafted is a developmental year i don't expect many players to be ready out of the box to be a blue chip player their first year in the league and I think that gets forgotten. It's the, okay, you have to be ready and you have to make an impact now.
0: Uh, and I know Jersey Al probably won't agree with me because he's quite a draft techie kind of person. <clears throat> but I do think the, it, you know, I've kind of stepped back from draft analysis and I guess the obsession with the draft and all everything going into before the NFL draft actually takes place. Mm-hmm. I think people really overinvest and what are really a lot of secondhand sources, and they really feel like I've got my player, I've got my position, and this is what we have to have, and if we don't get this, we're going to be mad. And it's like, the GM isn't listening to you. <laughs> They're not listening to some guy on some podcast. Uh, Yeah, we, it doesn't matter if you're disappointed. He's making the best choice for the team, and three years from now, I think actually we're probably going to be fairly happy with both um, Gary and with Love.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think in uh, the gap the the year of the draft for gary what everybody wanted i think they were really they big want
0: on they
1: wanted one of the Watt bro
2: well yeah i mean that was no, was no that, that was that, the year before
0: was that the minka fitzpatrick
1: it was minka you, fitzpatrick is it's who it was that you're, you're absolutely wrong and i actually was thinking that when i was watching him play this week i'm like oh he really is
0: good i know
2: they were big on the tight ends There was a big year for That's tight ends right uh T.J. Hawkinson, Hawkinson yeah. and Noah Fant and everybody was big on the tight ends, which personally I knew was never going to happen. The Packers are not going to take a tight end in round one.
1: No, they would never uh, do.
2: But I think once the draft played out, I think then the complaint was that they didn't pick somebody like Brian Burns, you know, a, a pass rushing linebacker type of deal um, instead of instead of Gary. So.
1: And part of the problem with, any with, case. with the Twitterverse prognosticating when it comes to draft choices is everyone looks at the same top 15 players and fixates on one of them. Yeah. And when you don't draft in the top 15, you suddenly get really brassed off that your player didn't drop.
2: Right. And also, and wide receiver is the perennial. We need to draft a wide receiver. So that was also around uh, that, that year
1: this year it was also an issue this year, obviously well, this year
2: by far the most it's ever been yeah and then you know for a good reason in one way because it really was the the best draft for wide receivers in many many years so i was on board with myself with taking a wide receiver for that reason i like the concept of drafting into the strength of the draft in the, in the early rounds you know but uh, obviously the packers decided to look out for their future instead and that's your decision, and we'll see how that plays out in three years.
0: All right. So every time we've had a, a loss, which has not been many times this season, let's be honest.
2: Thank God.
0: But every time we have a loss, and the Packer universe goes into, you know, a panic, and even after a win, such as this last week, Nagler even mentioned that he asked Matt LaFleur very specifically about the lack of emotion in this team. And this seems to be kind of a recurring theme. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's kind of a recurring theme. Uh, We had a very unfocused week of practice practice leading into this game. So therefore, we're unfocused in the game. We have a lack of emotion. What's going on with this? Why is there kind of this weird vibe? Maybe goes back to our original question, but what's this weird vibe even with emotion now? What is this?
1: Okay, everyone here works a day job. Isn't it a little weird this year, regardless of what you do because of COVID, how you meet with other people, how you interact, how you go about your daily life at work, is all different. And I suspect, you know, with with the NFL, obviously what they're doing is different. You, know, you had the, the COVID exposure or two ago, and suddenly they were meeting virtually in Zoom meetings, just like we're doing. And just the the difference of this season, I I, I can't see how it can't affect them. I'm not looking for an excuse, but I look at how I meet with my colleagues and how I'm I'm doing my job, and I would have never imagined doing this a year ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the you know the it was a little bit different. This last week, the whole discussion was about uh, a lot of it was about what we were talking about before. Is the atmosphere in the stadium? You know, is do the players need? That excitement, uh, that home f- team excitement, to get them up and and playing harder, and, and of course that's a slippery slope to go down because we're talking about professional athletes here, but they are human beings still. And and uh, Lafleur actually touched on that a little bit, and while he didn't confirm or deny, you know, he he did say that you know we're going to really examine this deeper and see if there is something that we should be doing better to get these guys more motivated so he did actually go that far which you know kind of unusual for a, for a head coach we certainly would have never heard that from from our, our old buddy Mike McCarthy uh, oh, would, no. wouldn't, be, wouldn't be that honest or forth, forthcoming right so uh, that's kind of what it was this last week was are these guys up for these games you know did they just take Jacksonville lightly or was it the same problem with the with the home field, like it was against the the Vikings, uh, that there's just no excitement or atmosphere there. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to think about that.
0: It, it seems very soft. You know, y- usually you go and talk to the uh, coach, and they say, well, you know, we had an issue. We weren't executing on this particular uh, block or the scheme, or you know, this guy was supposed to do this in coverage and stick more a l- little bit more in man this whole idea of yeah we didn't play with emotion it's just so intangible it's just so out there and it's like you, gotta, you, you fix the problems <laughs> fix what's wrong fix what's going on so right. it, it's a, you know it's a tough thing and i almost hate to as you said it's a slippery slope i hate to give it too much more attention and what it deserves because you don't want it to get into people's heads. But at the same time, there it is. I mean, they look like there were zombies out there at times. They look but, like they're walking through plays.
1: But look at the other top tier teams. They're all having these off games. And I wonder how much just the change. And I, I, again, I don't want to give excuses to the whole pandemic, but every team has had a clunker game. Like like when Not this week, but last week when, when the Bucks got walloped, I'm like, how did we lose to these losers? I, I really think that, you know, The state of affairs in this world right now is stressful on
0: everybody. Fair enough. Yeah. This this show is stressful. Anyway. (laughs) What are you talking about? We're awesome Uh, and and bubbly and light. (laughs) We are. Someone who's feeling very bubbly and light. uh, Oh, that was a great segue. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, After the game on Sunday, it was announced that the second of our huge uh, unrestricted free agents coming up at the end of the year, uh, left tackle David Bakhtiari, was signed to a record-breaking contract extension. Uh, pretty incredible. Uh, they're saying it's going to be a four-year, and I'm trying to see if I have this right. 105.5 million dollar contract extension. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's obscene. It's awesome though.
0: <laughs> 23 million per year. <clears throat> uh, beats out, I think it was Laramie Tunsell. I think he was the previous left tackle uh, right. making the most.
2: Just this year, yeah, he was signed. Yeah.
0: So obviously we saw the importance of David Bakhtiari, although we were just saying a couple weeks ago, Hey, we were kind of doing okay without David Bakhtiari. We were kind of (laughs) predicting what the world would be like if we did not resign David Bakhtiari. Your thoughts on this deal, highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL.
2: Well, uh, what what you have to look at really is not so much the money, but how they structured it, uh, especially with regards to, Salary cap, and and what they've done is they've pushed it off two years. Whereas, well, first of all, by doing it this year, they are able to to put some of the the money towards this year's uh, cap, so they don't have to. They were able to do less on next year's cap, when of course they're worried about what the overall salary cap will be uh, based on you know the COVID year this year and the lack of revenues, and they've pushed it all back to where the huge salary cap hits start in 2022, which is the year that before then there will be renegotiating of television contracts with the networks. So everyone expects the cap to go up quite a bit in that year. So they're, they're banking on that basically, you know, they're counting on that and hoping that that is the, that is the, um, the the end result that that's what happens in that case that makes this contract actually manageable if that doesn't happen then they're in a whole lot of trouble but that's not till three years from now
0: but until then what does this mean until then meaning free agents so we have Corey lindsley we have kevin king we have aaron jones we have jamal williams Now that we've signed Kenny Clark to a record-breaking contract for a defensive uh, lineman.
2: They did did the same thing with him, by the way. Mm -hmm. They pushed the big money back to 2022, but go ahead. Mm -hmm.
0: So do we have right now any flexibility? Because I think when I looked, roughly, there's only about $500,000 left on this year's cap. So not a whole lot to extend anyone else with. Do we have a chance of getting any of these four guys or maybe one? And if so, which one?
1: I suspect they'll go for one of the running backs, which is unfortunate because I think they're stronger as a pair. But yeah, who do they keep? I th- my gut says probably Aaron Jones because there was talk. Was talk wasn't there talk at the beginning of the season that uh, Williams is going to be trade bait? Well, talk among fans, maybe. <laughs> okay, maybe among yeah. fans. I saw I saw it on the Twitterverse, so therefore it must be true.
2: Every, every yeah, everybody like what can we get for Jamal Williams? And you know, I just kept saying they're not gonna trade Jamal Williams. No, they're know? not gonna trade. <laughs> right. Well anyway,
1: I, I think if they have the money, they'll keep them both. But I honestly think Corey Lindsley might be the odd one out. I don't know why, but yeah, that,
2: w- that would be unfortunate, but it's well, certainly a it distinct possibility. Right. Although uh Tom, sorry, Tom Silverstein today, I don't know if it was today or yesterday had a real big long article dealing with possible things that the Packers could do, you know, including who they might be able to to cut and, you know, save money on that way and, uh, and who they might be able to sign. And, you know, he did come up with a scenario where they would be able to sign both Jones and Lindsley um, if they were willing to do things like cut ties with Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, and, Uh, restructure some other contract or whatever. So it's not an impossible. It's not an impossibility. It's certainly not going to be easy. And obviously the player, the players are going to have to be agreeable to it. Uh, And perhaps the whole uncertainty of, of what the salary cap and everything will be next year might make them more agreeable to, all right, let me just lock in whatever I can get now uh, type of deal. So, We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it, I'd love to see both Jones and Lindsley. You know, if they were somehow magically able to do that, I'd be 100% satisfied. Um, but more than likely,
1: it's going to be one of those two. And you, and you brought up Preston Smith. I think he's really into the show me part of the season because he really did quite a lot uh, the first first half um if he's less of an impact player do you do if he can let me rephrase it this way al if he plays the way he does now do you think he'll be on the roster next year
2: well if i were the gm the answer would be no <laughs> but i am not the gm uh i mean he he shows some some really poor effort at times uh especially in the run game you know mm-hmm. he seems to only be happy when he's got a one-on-one matchup to rush the passer and then he seems to find find the the energy. But if he's out on the edge, you know, trying to hold the edge against the run and, you know, his effort level doesn't look that good. And the same thing if he's asked to drop into coverage, which, in my opinion, they do way too much with him because he really isn't very effective. Uh, well, they're
1: trying to treat him, him as a tweener when he's not.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it, like. To answer your question again, if I were the GM, that would be the first place I'd look to to save money to sign somebody, uh, one of my other free agents.
0: I think that this is one of the – maybe it's the first year we're going to feel those effects of uh, Gutekunst. Dipping into the free agent pool, signing some of these massive contracts like other NFL teams have been doing for years when Ted Thompson was not, when he was really doing the draft right. and signing from within – Last year didn't really hurt us. I mean, <clears throat> last year we lost Belaga. Oh, yeah, but uh, yeah. Have I mean, we
1: really like missed him,
0: though? Not Blake really. Like Martinez. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we lost a couple guys, but we felt we could live with those losses. Now we're looking at, okay, we had to invest all this money. Now we got two more huge contracts, and we are going to lose a guy like Corey Lindsley. We don't want to lose him. We can lose a guy like Kevin King. My God, he's finally playing at the level we wanted him at if he could just stay healthy. And we got two monster running backs. We'd love to keep all these guys, but these monster contracts put us now in that situation that we need to bring in more people on their first year, their first contract. I listen to Andrew Brandt when he comes on the show, and he always says this gotta have a balance between those big contracts and guys who are on their first contract. Gotta have a balance. That's what we're looking at is and that's one reason why we have a whole lot of late round draft picks and undrafted free agents making up our wide receiver core. So let's move along. Let's. (laughs) Speaking of our wide receiver drama, just uh, some quick news before we move along. Uh, Devontae Adams says he's going to try to play through his ankle injury, which we saw him uh, make a pretty nice uh, leaping grab for a touchdown last week, despite uh, obviously being in some pain and a a little limited. Um, Alan Lazard was activated off injured reserve, but not sounding like he may be ready to go either. So maybe a limited Uh, wide receiver core for Aaron Rodgers once again. Yeah, they just had to move
1: Lazard so they didn't lose him for the season.
0: Right. So moving on, that is the end of our uh, Packers playbook. It's now time for a guest zen from our good friend John Rahor. Rams with Rahor. Listening to Reason with John Rahor. Listening to reason,
3: hey there, Packer fans. Back again with a few words about this past Sunday's game. So, I think the consensus was that it was just an ugly game. They they won, but didn't really feel like they won. You know, they let a one win team hang around basically to the end of the game, and that's not something that a championship team should do. Now, as has been the case with this Packers team for years, all through the McCarthy era, there's usually one or two games a year when they would play down to their opponent. And I really think that's what they did. I think that they played down to their opponent. But the scary thing is, they played down to their opponent at home. Now, yeah, there's no fans in the stands because of the current pandemic going on. So there's clearly something missing with the rise of the fans. But is that what it is? Or is there more? I, I, I really hope that this team gets it figured out as they head into the home stretch. You know, at 7-2, and two, they're in prime position for a number one, potentially, number two seed in the NFC. But if there's something missing, it has to get figured out now. You know, when you're at home in cold weather like they were on Sunday, you should be able to destroy your inferior opponent. And frankly, they didn't. They let a team hang around, and that's not something they need to do. They need to get this figured out quick. I mean, they had almost 400 yards of offense. Did it feel like it? Not really. They only gave up 300 yards approximately to the Jags. Did it feel like it? No. They let the jaguars outrush them at home in cold weather at lambeau field that's not acceptable they need to get this figured out soon real soon if they don't the next time they play down an opponent may be their last game of the year and obviously that is not what we want so seven and two they're going to keep marching on you know the next time we see them i hope that it's a much better performance because if it's not that seven and two can quickly become
0: seven and three. go pack go Woo, come on. <custard> Hi, crunchy, oh, yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the point in the show where each of us get a final moment to get up on our soapbox and reach all the riot act of whatever's going on inside our head. This is our Hot Pockets Jersey Albraco. We'll start with you.
2: All right. For a variety of reasons, I've been able to watch more non-Packers football this year. That means I've been able to observe more teams and how their defensive play. I watch other teams, and the thing that stands out to me are the sounds of the game. You hear plenty of pads crashing and see running backs absorbing hard hits. Watching the Packers, you'll see Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams be the recipients of such hits. But there's really no returning the favor from the Packers defense. Arm tackles or throwing your body at a ball carrier are more the norm. Now there's some hope with Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes for the future of the, of this, uh, of the Packers defense, but you know that's not nearly enough. The Packers defense just scares no one, and let's say it, they are downright soft. They're soft in attitude, soft individually and soft in scheme. You know, the offense better get used to scoring 30-plus points a game every week because that's what's going to take to keep winning. And that is my hot
0: packets. Fire Patton, going right along with what Al just said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, get, get the for- pitchforks and torches. There I got my go. torch lit. You know, this whole fire thing has become almost a meme now for Packer fans over the last 10 years. Fire Slocum, fire Capers, fire Thompson have all become, at one point or another, hashtags that somebody bought and put on a hat or a t-shirt. Now, as the fire Petten keeps taking off, we also keep reminding ourselves that we kept firing people until we finally had the buck stop with one person. That ended up being Mike McCarthy. In the end, firing all those people didn't change a country club atmosphere and the lack of accountability that pervaded the team. And since Matt LaFleur took over, we've sensed a huge change in that entire field, Also, in the entire record. That is, until our defense isn't as good as I would have wanted or Al wanted. And every week, they're not world beat. But look, guys, they aren't the worst in the league either. But every loss, we always talk about this lack of focus and practice this week. Or the lack of emotion and fire out of the locker room. That isn't a Mike Pettin problem. So let's stop our habits let's stop our mistakes of the past and stop making scapegoats for the guy who is responsible and that's matt lafleur now that's not a call to fire him not in the least but as fans let's start looking at the problems with the lens that doesn't begin with hashtag fire and work on solving the problems that we need to to win games and that is my
1: hot pockets i always like to remind people that there are no style points in football you don't lose points for sloppy or lazy play. And yes, the Packers only have two losses under their belt and somehow sit atop the entire NFC at this moment. But it sure doesn't feel like we're kings of the world. Sometimes it feels like we're one serious Devontae Adams injury away from having no receiving core. And then there's the defense. Game after a game, they make me want to set my hair on fire. No, I'll well, put the matches away. I really don't want to set my hair on fire. These, The defense flails to make tackles. And the opponent gets another 15 yards after somebody finally remembers the pop warmer fundamentals they learned when they were nine. And they wrap up around the receiver or they just get lucky and push them out of bounds. This is a perennial problem that never seems to get fixed. Why do they seem to have the same weaknesses year after year? Sure, they'd have home field advantage through the playoffs if it started tomorrow. But the Green Bay Packers really need to clean up their act, Otherwise, they're going to squander it just like they did in 2012. I really don't want to see them get bounced out of their own stadium in week two of the playoffs. I hated it then when it happened, and I would hate for it to happen again. And that is my... Hot Pockets!
3: Cheesehead Radio. Packer Game Predictions.
0: A now-nervous Packer fan base will watch their team head, thankfully, on the road for a visit to Indianapolis, where the Colts started this week as the underdog in the game, but the better line has now moved in their favor where they're now one-and-a-half-point favorites to beat the Green Bay Packers on their home turf. It's a late-afternoon after uh, late afternoon kickoff for the Packers and going to be seen in the vast majority of the country. Good audience. How do we see this game going, gang? Kelly, we'll start with you.
1: So we already had our trap game against Minnesota, but last week was almost a trap, but not quite. Hopefully the t- team gets a fire lit under its butt this week and they can stop looking like the shell Shock Packers that lost to the Lowly Chiefs in 2012. Lazard is a go, maybe. So the receiving core, maybe, will get a nice boost in the arm. But Aaron Rodgers needs to play like he did at the beginning of the season, not like he has been the past two games. That said, I'm feeling optimistic. The last one holding the ball is going to be the winner. Packers 24, Colts 21. Mason in a dome. Kick one that counts, baby.
2: Well, the Packers have recently given us few reasons for optimism that they'll be able to beat a very good team like the Colts. But I do think the effort and spirit will be there has been missing against a supposedly easy team. The question is, will this be the week the Packers offense shows it has answers for fast, aggressive defenses? Whenever I start to feel negative about the Packers, they seem to bounce back and surprise me. If Kevin King, Jair Alexander, and Devontae Adams all play, that's a big if, I'll go out on a very feeble limb and predict that the Packers will squeak by on a last-second Mason Crosby field goal
0: 31 to 30. That's almost predicting a loss, Al. I I, I almost
1: almost did. So, CD, are you going to curse us and say, oh, the Packers are going to lose? Like you always
0: do, and then you can say, I was wrong. (laughs) I really, really wanted to pick against the Packers. I knew it. (laughs) I did. However. Everyone was everyone was too cocksure of the game. It was. I mean, you saw it all over. Packer, this is gonna be a big win. They're gonna score forty points. There's no way they can lose this game. I've analyzed it from every possible angle and we can't lose.
2: Stop the owl voice
1: He <laughs> <laughs> didn't have quite the Jersey accent. Yeah, in I know, enough. I know, but <laughs> it,
0: it made was the quoting was... I didn't like. Yes. The
1: quoting of me, I didn't. Oh, we knew exactly where he was going with that right yeah. away. All right. Go
0: ahead. It just made me nervous and, and and very nearly we did almost lose that game to a one and seven team. But this week everyone's worried. The betters are scrambling. The Twitter personalities are predicting Philip Rivers is gonna pick us apart, yada yada yada. This Packer team always does better when their backs are against the wall and they have a chip on their shoulder. It'll be touch and goal at the beginning, but I think the Packers win going away thirty-one to twenty.
2: Well there's a shocker. <laughs>
1: He just doesn't want to admit he's wrong next week. (laughs) He may have to. (laughs) Yeah, I got
0: this, baby. I got it.
1: All right. All right. And then if they do lose, we're totally blaming you because you curse them. I am very
2: unconfident, unconfident of my pick. But anyway. (laughs) Oh, God.
1: Do not lose to the Colts, seriously. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Cheesehead Radio, now in our 11th season. And many thanks to the Zen Master John Rahor for joining us again tonight. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com where you can explore several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalk.net on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers Talk podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcatching app. You can also find us on Siri, Alexa, or Google just by saying, play Packers Talk podcast. That's a wrap. Go Pack Go.
0: Yeah! Ha ha,
1: suckers! Got I got it right the first time. Wow. Wow.
0: Have a great uh week there, Packer fans. We'll talk to you next week. Go back go.
1: Stay home and stay safe.
2: <laughs> go back go.
1: G's head radio. I, mad, I, I, all all right. I fart radio really? <laughs>
2: al that was kind of I weird. didn't even see that that was good. <laughs> he was correcting
1: it during everyone else's hot pockets. Uh, like god I didn't have did
2: time I didn't have time to be annoying this week. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I think it was I'll like I'll
2: do better next week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the abuse I put up with these jokers oh my word. I, I
2: I didn't give my best effort. I didn't have the emotion this week so
0: no. you know. Um, you seemed a little unfocused last week in practice.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah that There too. was no emotion to it. <laughs> No (laughs) motion.